When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? July 18th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast, and we have tons and tons and tons to talk about. Despite it being not a pay-per-view weekend for the UFC, there are still many topics, many angles that Sean Ross Sapp and I will be discussing. Sean, I went through some Sapp withdrawal. I haven't talked to you in a week, or I haven't seen your face in a week. Is that why you just made my ears bleed with all the distortion, Joe? Is that what it is? Distortion? Yeah, hey, listen, just, just pull the mic back from your face a little bit. You're all right. You are the co-host and the producer of the show. You are in charge of the audio volumes. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that you'd come on and be like, Hey, everybody! It's <laughs> Joe! I mean, hey, listen. I'm going old school here, eh? WEC, never forget. I'm going really old school, plain red t-shirt from my boys at uh, Fresh Clean Tees. I put this shirt on, and I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, you were fat back then when Dave Schaller gave you this stuff. When Reed and everyone over there, I was just kind of like, this thing is like huge. And I'm like, you know what? I'll wear it for the podcast and maybe use it as a workout shirt after this podcast. You may never see it again. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, so much to discuss. Um, the Mayweather-McGregor press tour. Um, I didn't have a chance to watch the London one. I just finished watching the uh, the New York one, the Brooklyn one. It was bad. It was trash. It was garbage. So we're going to talk about this from from all angles. Obviously, we talked about the the first one, and it was good, but it was interesting because McGregor didn't know the format. They stuck with that boxing format. They cut McGregor's mic. It was rough, and day two, McGregor knew what he was walking into and, and did so. Now, there were... You know, there were a lot of comments. There, well, first off, there's a lot of misinformation. There were a lot of discussions about Mayweather or McGregor and racism. And I'll put it like this. The term that he used when he said, dance for me, boy. He said that a lot in the past to other fighters. He's called all of his opponents boy. And I know that a lot of people assume that everybody knows that. I live in America, and I'm a, almost a 32-year-old. I didn't know that, that that was derogatory. Until earlier this year when Bisping said it to Romero. Does that did I understand it then? Yeah, I understood it. I understand the implic like what it means now. I understand the gravity of it. But when you talk about a twenty eight year old Irishman who probably doesn't know the history of the term, and based on what based on his reaction at the post fights or the post presser scrums, I really didn't think he understood the gravity of the situation. I don't think he did. Uh, that being said, when he doubled down with the racial remarks the next day and tried to make light of it, that was a bad look. Really bad look. And I get it, he was trying to make light of the situation, but he admitted, he was like, yeah, that fell flat. That didn't work. You, you, that uh, Bad move. Bad move on his part. 
I concur. Um, you know, I'm 43, so uh, I'm a bit more, I guess, cultured than Connor might be. Obviously, it'd be almost double his age. Mm-hmm. Um, I some of the stuff that both of the gentlemen were saying was kind of like eye-opening. Like even I would, when I in Toronto, I kept looking over to Elias, and I'm like, you can't say that, you can't do that. I mean, even Floyd, um, you know, probably enraging the LGBT community with his comments or his his derogatory term towards conor mcgregor you just can't do that nowadays and i know that there are still times i mean there there are there are people that i know that still use the that f word um sporadically bisping's used it at press conference when he's been upset before uh unfortunately you can't say that you know you may not mean it by what the the lg lgbt community will term it as but it's derogatory you can't say that in the public light you can't say it in general uh i hear it all the times i mean i, I heard some stuff this weekend um with no ufc event on saturday we went to um uh, i told you guys uh, earlier on last week i went to a rip fest and there were still some friends of mine that you know talk in a certain way and i'm kind of like guys you, uh, not that I'm oblivious to that kind of stuff, that I'm above that kind of stuff. You can't say those terms. You can't talk about people in a certain way. It's just not cool. It's 2017. Now, I'm a public figure. I'm in the public light. Uh, I'm obviously very careful with what I say. I know you guys always laugh at me that I don't curse enough. I don't swear enough. You know, But th- there are people out there that just simply just don't get it. And it's like you can't say that stuff anymore, guys. It's 2017. Let's be smart about it. And the stuff that they were saying in the in the, the press in the press tour, all four cities was kind of like you know I was rolling my eyes. I'm like these guys don't get it. Yeah. Um, there were other things that happened on the weekend, for example, at at UFC uh, in Glasgow when one of the one of the uh, fighters, the heavyweight guy that, that emerged victorious. Dude, you're on television and you're dropping f bomb upon f bomb upon f bomb. Pay-per-view, fine, I get it. You know what? People are paying for that. But you are on television, dude. You can't do that. And it's almost like, don't you guys know this? Well, I mean, the I'll give you an example. Like, I'm a giant Dave Chappelle fan. Seeing him live was one of my uh, – on my bucket list. And I got to do that a few years ago. And it's been a good 10 years, 10, 11 years since he was on, on television. So a lot of what could fly back then – doesn't fly now. Oh, yeah. I used to say a lot of stuff that I look back and I'm like, that doesn't age well. That's stupid. Like, like terms that I didn't think would would affect anybody. And I look back now and I'm like, that affects me. Like, I feel bad. I'm offended that I said that. But the thing is, like, he he dropped some terms and I'm like, man, Chappelle's been out of the spotlight for a while. He he doesn't realize that stuff doesn't age well. Maybe Mayweather dropped the. The sexual slurs, and I'm like, man, it, they bring out those two guys bring out the worst in each other. Like, yeah, it, it's a hot got, environment. It's a heated environment, so I can understand it from a certain perspective. To stay focused, Sean. Um, for, uh, I mean, mic time between the two was 20 minutes, 25 minutes in total, from when Connor got it to when Mayweather ended. So 20 to 25 minutes on average per show. And it's going. They're going back and forth, over and over again. It gets heated. It gets hot. But some way, somehow, you have to remain focused and, and just realize what you're saying. Yeah, that, that's true too. And people are bringing up the the Nate Diaz comments. Yeah, we got a borderline racist against a full out misogynist guy who beats women. That's the unfortunate situation. Like I said, I don't think that Connor understood the gravity of his comments. But by day three and four, it just devolved into you pussy, you bitch, you this, you that. And like a lot of the stuff that Mayweather said fell flat. Like, even in London? 
Oh, of course. Like, a lot of this... And Mayweather would go up there and he was like, This little bitch is a $3 million fighter. I'm an $850 million fighter. Yeah. And I'm like, you just made these people in New York wait two hours and then you're making fun of a guy who makes $3 million for a fight. It's like, that's like, you're not going to go, that's not going to do well. Like, cause those people in the crowd are like, I took off from my $10 an hour job to be here. Yep. 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 Like, it, and that's just, the thing, Sean, they're, they're out of touch with reality. And but it's not just them. Let's be honest. There's other professional athletes that forget that, you know, there may have been a time when you had no money in the bank, you were in debt, you were running off a line of credit or your credit cards, then you signed one big deal, and then you got used to that kind of money, then you start talking down to people that, you know, you're making, you know, X amount of millions a year. The average person out there does not make that. You know, unless you're a business owner or you've got real estate or you've got investments, you're not making that kind of money. You're just an honest blue collar worker getting by, paying your bills, paying your mortgage, trying to have fun with your family. They forget that. Oh, yeah, and there were a lot of questionable things addressed in this. One, Floyd Mayweather saying, we'll do it with four-ounce gloves. We'll do it in an octagon. No, you're not. No. <laughs> no, you're no. not, Floyd. And Because if, if you would, you'd be doing that right now because that would sell Floyd Mayweather's first MMA fight would sell more than a boxing fight, in my opinion. Floyd wants that 50-0 real bad. He wants that yes. six. He wants that nine figures. He's gonna. He's probably gonna get both of them. But come on, we know better. We know better. And just like I said, Joe, like months leading into this, Connor's been saying that he's been. I don't think he's hit it as hard as he should be, but he's saying you won't do what I do. He's like, I'm gonna get nine figures for half of a fight. I don't have to worry about anybody kicking me. I don't have to worry about anybody taking me down. Cool. Now I thought Mayweather had an awesome line with the Mister Tap Out thing. That was great. That was yeah, he great. ran with that. He ran with that. Yep. But then when he ran with it, that's the problem, Joe. Yeah, the quitter. Quitter. He didn't quit once. He didn't quit twice. You quit three times. Well, okay. Well, that's because he's you never. He does yeah. Let, let's see what happens when he defends a low single. How's that yeah. work out? Yeah. Floyd Mayweather's yeah. been boxing since 1996, 1997. How many losses would he have by now? How many losses would he have had by? 2002 because there weren't lighter weight divisions then like the the you got to face monsters stuff like that it's it worked the first time he said it because it happened and and it was true but when you're Floyd Mayweather and you're like you're trying to shame him for tapping out I'm like dude you've never like people were literally one like would Ronda Rousey win a fight against Floyd Mayweather if it started in the clinch is a real conversation we can have because she could send him ass over tea kettle. Would she win if they... Like, that was a conversation people had, and I was like, you all are dumb. There's no way she would win a fight if they were standing, as we we found now. If they grappled, Joe, Ronda Rousey's tapping out Floyd Mayweather in probably a minute and a half. Maybe. Yeah, that's, just that's, used to clinch. That's yeah. She gets the clinch. That's it. So it's 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 this weird situation. I was like, that's bad. You can't run with that. You can't run with that. And a guy said Connor can't single leg an eighty year old lady. Well, that's funny because I remember him wrestle out wrestling Max Holloway once yeah. upon a time. Yeah. Um, overall, when you think – the reason why I'm asking this question is uh, late yesterday – not late yesterday, yesterday uh, evening, uh, I was contacted by um, a pretty prominent radio station on the other side of the country in Vancouver. 
Um, just getting my thoughts on the whole scenario. What does this all mean? Uh, and when it was all said and done, they asked me, you know, what, what did you grade this this tour? What, what does it mean? What does it all really do for the fight? And I said, I made it. I said, simple. I can't go outside of my home right now. I can't walk to this down the street. I can't go to the uh, whatever store you want to call, be it Walmart or a grocery store, go pump some gas without somebody stopping me and talking about this fight, talking it's, about it's the press conference. Joe. It is. The guy who came and trimmed our mimosa tree the other day asked me about it. Uh, a girl who I taught kickboxing two years ago who has no real interest in combat sports messaged me and she goes, is this real? Another yeah. woman messaged me and said, does McGregor have a chance? A guy I went to high school with messaged me. I haven't talked to him in years. And that's what's, my gauge, What's the probability? Sean. Yeah. Always been my gauge. It's been my litmus test. It's been my meter to determine how big a fight is actually going to be. Because I never got that. Uh, the only time I would get that was when George St. Pierre used to fight in his prime. Uh, sometimes Anderson Silva. Uh, th- that was the kind of stuff. I never got that really for UFC 100 or UFC 200. I did get it every so often with Ronda Rousey, but nowhere near on this level where people are legit. You know, and it's even this like I'll be walking, you know, in, in a crowded place, whatever, and some people won't stop me, but all of a sudden they'll they'll look at me and they'll kind of be like, is that is that is that showdown? Is that what? I, but they won't say anything. They won't stop me. But as I'm walking by them, whether it's around to another store or whatever it is, they're talking about McGregor and Mayweather at a higher level so I could hear what they're saying. That's the kind of weird stuff that I deal with. But it's it's just showing you how big this actually is. My wife, Sean, at the kitchen table last night asked me about Conor McGregor. Where is he from? What does he do? How big is he? Blah, blah, blah. Because they were talking about it at her work at a, at a, a banking institution. Yeah, that's how big this is. My wife doesn't talk to me about anything fight related, UFC related. She can only name one UFC fighter, maybe two, because she thinks they're hot. George St. Pierre and Chael Sonnen. That is it. She could name any other fighter and look who she was married to. Right. So the fact that she's talking about Conor McGregor, who she said was sexy. I, I respectfully disagree, but another story altogether for another show, perhaps, Sean. But. It's it's transcended in my opinion that the fact that I my wife is talking about it. This is a huge fight. This is a massive fight, and it's only going to get bigger because everything we saw in these press conferences will be replayed over and over again on Sports Center and all the sports stations. And new stuff will come out with Connor and Floyd on their social media and any appearances that they actually make. Yeah, I hope the race shit is done though. I hate it because it's made a device a divisive thing to where people. People are getting ridiculous about it. They're getting flat out stupid about it. It doesn't have to be about race. You, it, I've had a lot of people that say that Floyd Mayweather gets trashed for being obnoxious and being flashy and McGregor doesn't. I'm like, how long have you been following McGregor? Because that's been a criticism of him for a long time. And I thought that he did himself no favors on this press tour because I thought – his charm was being the guy who went from welfare to making millions, not being the guy who is a border who who says some borderline racist things and makes bad jokes. I didn't think the format helped him at all. Uh, if anything, that that helped stack the deck against him, and he still ended up better because a lot a lot of what McGregor said you could buy, and a lot of what Mayweather said repeated, and you couldn't buy. He's not fighting in the UFC. I had a lot of people upset about that too. I, people ask me what percentage of a chance I gave McGregor, and I said probably a 5% chance to win this. 
And then they asked, well, what percentage would you give Mayweather in the UFC? And I said, probably about a 2% chance. Maybe. <laughs> like, Mayweather would maybe have a 2% chance. And that's against any top 10 lightweight in the UFC. I think it's maybe 2%. Yeah, they asked the me that question yesterday. What percentage does Conor McGregor have against Floyd Mayweather versus the other way around? And I was—I don't—I don't think I used those numbers, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, Conor's got a much better chance of defeating Floyd Mayweather in boxing than vice versa. That's just to me. That just appears not just factual. I know it's—it's—it's it's, it's hearsay sort of thing, skeptical, but yeah, I—I I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's insane. But I'll tell you one thing. Uh, at that Toronto press conference, I cannot explain to you the energy. Um, the excitement, the the, the I, I was I, mean, I tweeted it out. Um, Conor McGregor is legit insane. I mean, the guy is hilarious. He knows how to command a crowd, minus that Brooklyn, New York crowd, because I don't know what would have got them going, because that was just odd. I don't know. I mean, I saw some jokes about where they handed out volume before the show was started, because it was just like, uh, like my goodness. But that Toronto crowd, Sean, I cannot explain to you how absolutely insane it actually was being in that venue, the Budweiser stage. It's an outdoor venue. Thankfully, we were covered because it was raining a little bit. But I got to tell you, man, he ran that show. He ran that place. He owned it. And it was it, it was I mean, I was at Chael Sonnen. Anderson Silva 2 when they did it at the I think it was at the Manley Bear at the MGM that was insane but not like this this was on a completely different level it was fantastic uh, I I, it, I felt not just like I was at a press conference Sean but at a comedy show you know it's like I got my money's worth and I didn't pay a cent nor did anyone else but I didn't pay a cent for it got my media pass and I'm like this was time well spent this put a smile on my face this was fantastic an electric atmosphere it tells you something, and I had people from Canada who were like, when I said, yeah, maybe UFC should should try to make something of this. Maybe they should try to bring more big fights there, and they were like, well, attendance has declined. And I'm like, no, 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 18,000 for Holloway Pettis in December. That excuse doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. I'm not buying what you're selling there. It was an electric atmosphere, and they, they need to, to do their best to make that a mecca again. Yeah, they can. We all know they can. It's up to them. And we'll probably know within about, uh, what are we now, July? We'll know within about, uh, nah, not for a while, Sean. Maybe 16 months, 18 months, we'll know. They do have the opportunity. Hopefully they know uh, what to do. But it is what it is right now. And, and you know, I think the UFC, you know, Dana said, I, I, I questioned what Dana said at the end of the Toronto press conference when he came out there and he said, when I was talking to the Showtime people about this tour or in general about doing a world tour, and he said, you don't do a world tour without stopping in Toronto. And I was like, well, we're, we're also a media capital. Uh, Toronto, New York, I mean, Chicago's one, LA is another one, London is absolutely huge, so what you're really doing is you're going to markets where the media will actually show up, and it just so happened that organically, uh, it grew with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, um, but, you know, Sir Dana White, you have work to do uh, to get Toronto where, where back to where it needs to be, 18,000 is fantastic at the Air Canada Center. You should be selling out 21,000. If you do it correctly, you get back to the Rogers Center uh, and get 30,000. Maybe not 55,000, but you can get 30,000 uh, if it's done correctly. You don't need to do Cowboy Stadium uh, for George St. Pierre and Conor McGregor. You could do the Rogers Center. Just saying. On my Fightful World Tour, 
Toronto, <laughs> Orlando, Cincinnati, Lexington, <laughs> Ewing, Kentucky. Nice. Nice. What do you do to come come up here? Uh, I, I go stay Next in week? Cincinnati Tuesday night, and then yep. Wednesday morning I fly out, and then I fly back Saturday morning. That way you and I can cover uh, Jones Cormier that weekend. Yes. When Jimmy mentioned that you were coming up here and we'd be getting together at the Rogers Center to watch a Jays game, I said that my schedule is kind of packed. Uh, I have stuff to do for Fightful. Uh, in no uncertain terms, he basically told me off and said, you'd be next uh, to tell me off because I better be there. And I said, yes, I'll be there. I'm kidding. Uh, but all the stuff that we do for Fightful, ladies and gentlemen, will be taken care of. Nothing will be missed. Uh, Sean will be in my city. In Jimmy Van City, we're going to have a great time uh, and check out the Blue Jays, uh, amongst other things. I already, Where already, do you have, go already have like half a dozen exclusives set up for that week while I'm gone, scheduled, nice. ready to post, good to go. Uh, what do you think about this tough 26 stuff? I, I, I'll have to say this. Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez coaches. I'm not mad at it, and I'll tell you why. A little bit mad. I'm not mad at it at all because, well, outside of Alvarez, Poirier not getting to fight each other. Other than that, don't care. But um, they're on the ball about it. They've already filmed the first episode. It debuts in on next month. Yep. I'm cool with that. That I've been told that December 2nd is the date they're targeting for the finale. I'm cool with that. A lot of people were like, get Justin Gaethje back in there in October. I'm like, you masochist. Cut it out. Did you watch his fight? The dude, the dude went to war. Let him rest. And this, he was paid well for that first fight. He's going to be paid well for this Ultimate Fighter. He's going to be paid well for that December two fight. Um, also, I will watch every fight on the Ultimate Fighter twenty six because it is to determine something important: the women's yes. flyweight championship. Before we get into possible names that I have heard of, uh, go ahead and. I want I want your thoughts. Well, representing all masochists uh, that are watching the show right now, uh, my original thought when Justin Gaethje was named as a coach was was a confusing one because I'm like, damn it, I want this dude back in the cage. I want to see him fight again. And then I, as I was thinking that, I thought to myself, man, that guy just went through a war with Michael Johnson. He needs to rest. And what better way to rest than actually do something? And he's going to be coaching uh, opposite Eddie Alvarez. So it's actually good, and he'll be well-rested. So he'll still be in the spotlight, per se, through the Ultimate Fighter, although the Ultimate Fighter doesn't get as many views as, as an actual UFC event. But hopefully people will remember him in time that didn't watch the Ultimate Fighter come December because this kid is fantastic. And we're going to see more of him. We're going to see more of Justin Gaethje, a personality. Um, you know, in his post-fight interview, the guy was hilarious. I mean, where is my equal? You know, he kept saying that over and over again. Where is my equal? And, and then, you know, uh, Octagon jitters my butt or whatever he said, right? So we're, we're going to get to see a bit of a personality of Justin Gaethje, which, will make, which may p- make people who watch The Ultimate Fighter love him a lot more or hate him. Either way, come December, we're going to watch him fight, and I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Knock on wood, MMA gods don't, you know, make sure he has, he's got a great training camp, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I'm super excited in regards to the actual show you know, I've talked about it at, at nauseum. Like, if we're gonna watch the show, I want it to be—I want it to mean something. At the very end, I'm done with someone getting a contract with the UFC. 
because that's what they're doing with the contender series right now. You know, people are doing it no matter what. I need something at the end of every Ultimate Fighter that is worthy of me following. I a love three and two guy was on the Glasgow show the other day. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous. You know, like to me, the Ultimate Fighter needs to be. I, I like I said, and I'll, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Tournaments are fantastic. Bellator had it; they should have continued with it. People love tournaments. I mean, look at the look at the NCAA tournament uh, in March, March Madness. People go crazy if you can build it that way, dude. There is a, there, there, there's um, junior hockey here in Canada. Okay, junior hockey has no business being on national television, but it's a fantastic product, and every holiday season. Uh, the network here that, that hosts it, that figured it out a long time ago, airs it. But it's a tournament format. The World Junior Championships, all the countries get involved in the hockey world, and people follow it religiously here. They love it. NCAA gets mad, or basketball here gets massive ratings in March. You know, people love tournaments. And in MMA, when you do tournaments, you can follow a fighter or fighters till they get to the finals, and there's something at the end, whether it's a belt, Bellator, uh, or whether it's something for the U- or with the ultimate fighter about to happen here, whether it's something when there's a big payday at the end, especially a title, I'm all in, man. I love it. I want to see it. Yeah, according to Mark Picos of Wombat Sports, he put together a nice list of, of likely competitors based on social media blackouts, which is a really, really neat list he put together. Uh, Lauren Murphy, Barb Honchak. Roxanne Mataferi, who some may remember from the old Ultimate Fighter, and be like, "Uh, her? No, she got it. She got with a camp, and it's amazing what happens when you train with a real camp because she's a good fighter now." Uh, Deanna Bennett, Ariel Beck, Rachel Ostevich, uh, Jennifer Maya has been a part of this social media blackout, which uh, she didn't try out, but uh, you know that'd be quite the name to add. Also, Rachel Cummins, Emily Whitmire. There's some decent names uh, in there, and let's be honest. Whoever wins that is going to have to answer to a few people. They're going to have yes. to answer to, to, to the Raquel Penningtons, to the Joanne Calderwoods, to the Joanna Yenjacheks, to the Jessica Andrages, to Gedalia if she decides to change her mind and go there, to the Valentina Shevchenkos. I, I had a discussion with one of my writers uh, about that pool and like it's it's a good thing to have it's one of the smartest divisions they've added in recent memory well i say that in comparison to the 145 division because you have girls that are oversized or that are undersized at 135 and oversized at 125 joanne calderwood missed weight you know she's she can't wait for that division if i'm her i tell the ufc Hey, start scheduling fights for me. I'll fight again this fall at 125 if it gets me a win there. I'm all yeah. for it. The fact that they were on the ball about it, and as soon as they announced the coaches, they're like, hey, first episode next month. Cool. I'm down with that. Because what happened the last time they did that? They announced Dillashaw and Garbrandt, and it was months and months ahead, and it's like, okay... And they're going to fight in July, International Fight Week. How'd that look? How'd that yeah. look? Because now Garbrandt's saying November. Yeah. That sucks. That yeah, seriously yeah. sucks. I'm so a huge fan. Huge fan. And if you think about it, 11 months from the day that he won the title. Right? Yeah. I mean, the high that he was on in defeating Dominic Cruz the way he did, 
the fan base out of nowhere. Like, I mean, his his social media, oh my God, Sean, must have quadrupled. Because he went from a guy that's like, mm, you're going to get your ass whipped by Dominic Cruz. You're lucky to get this title shot, blah, 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 and puts on a five-round clinic against one of the greatest, if not the greatest, bantamweight of all time. His stock went through the roof the next day after that performance, and he gets on the Ultimate Fighter. I, I would say he lost the Battle of the Coaches because I don't think he came across the way he should have come across on that show. He was very, um, you know, almost not narcissistic, but well, a bit narcissistic, but just kind of rude. Uh, I didn't like what he said to Dwayne Ludwig as an example, but just in general, and now he isn't even fighting, and he may not fight until 11 months, almost 10 months to 11 months from the day he won the title. Not too good, man. Not too good. But still a great fighter. I can't wait for him to get in there. Injuries are injuries. Come on, Sean. Bad, you know, back injury. I've had back injuries before in my youth uh, when I was far more overweight than I was, uh, you know, sitting here right now. But yeah, uh, I I really, really want to see the guy compete again. But it is what it is. In terms of Gaethje and Alvarez, you mentioned that they're not technically going to be fighting each other. Me likey. Yeah. Well, I mean, right? they're going like, to fight each other at the end of the season. Yeah, but there there was thing that there was no guarantee they're going to fight, and I was like, what? They'll I fight. I saw some stuff online. Yeah, I saw some stuff they're online. Good. They're not guaranteeing it. I'm like, I don't know about you. Their coach is on the ultimate fighter. Yeah, they're going to fight. a sick fight. How much of this do you think Dana White looked over and went over to Fox and said, look, man, you saw what this kid does. You've seen how Justin Gaethje fights. This kid's going to be a superstar. We can use the ultimate fighter to promote him. It's a good idea, kind of, I guess. I mean, I think he's going to get the most of his promotion by having wars. But it's not a bad idea. It'll showcase some more of his personality. That's an okay thing. Yeah. Whether good or bad, we'll see. <laughs> because, you know what, when you have cameras on you for that long. Actually, the coaches aren't in, um, in that fishbowl as much as the fighters, who I definitely uh, feel sorry for. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. They're, they're, like you said, we talked about it. There's greatness that is going to happen at the end of the show. We're going to see a champion. Uh, and once that champion, you know, it's almost like when Carlos Sparza became the champion, little did you realize there was a Johanna Jacek uh, waiting for her in the wings. Whoever becomes a champion on this show, like you said, oh, you got some work for you, my dear. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I like that. They got to be ready to, to, to get out. But now if it's Jennifer Maya that wins that tournament, I'm ready. I'm excited. I want that. But, you know, there were a lot of people who I thought were going to win that the the old tournament. And, well, I mean, one of them did in Carla Esparza. But we found out quickly that her game was not near where it needed to be. But what does that say about the other competitors? Because you can look at all the other competitors on the show and be like, well, maybe she was too young. She was too raw. She wasn't ready. She was over, right? It was just kind of like Carla Esparza was the heavy favorite to win that show. Dude, who, she won it. Dude, and who then, knows? Look at, look at Brandon Moreno. He got eliminated from the first round of the flyweight tournament. And, like, months later, he's one win away from probably getting a title shot. 22 yeah. years old when he got cut, when he got beaten. And they were like, well, we need somebody to fill in against Smoka. Okay, beat him. Well, Ryan Benoit <laughs> beat him. Dustin Ortiz beat him. Two performance of the night honors. Like, you just, you just never know. That's what I love about MMA. You just never know because... Any given night, somebody can slip on a banana peel. Any given night, just the wrong stylistic matchup. Maybe you slept wrong the night before. I love that about MMA. Yeah, it's it's anything. I mean, 
I had this conversation with a boxing guy or a, a boxing fan, uh, and there's still guys out there, Sean. You know it. You've seen it. You've heard it. Carlos Toro can probably attest to this. Uh, there's that whole, well, he's not 40 no. He's not 32 and 0. Yeah. He's not 26 and 0. You know, th- there are no undefeated fighters in MMA. It almost feels well. Justin Gaethje's won. Uh, you know, John Jones. Oh, he's he's got a loss on his record. Did you watch that fight? Yeah. Why he's got a loss on his record? You know, it's the Steve Mazzagatti situation, right? So, yeah, it, it, MMA is completely different. Connor mocked boxing, saying it's not even a real fight. Uh, it's a modified. It's a simple fight. Uh, half of a it's fight is what he said. Half of a fight. Yeah. Whereas MMA is like it's legit. You know, I'm also wondering about Car- Connor's cardio uh, in that fight there because he's so used to having to. It's, it's a different type of stamina uh, and cardio when you're training and fighting MMA than it is just boxing, right? And he, I think he made it eloquent when he said that the clinch, uh, the clinch is the hardest working position in sports or in, in combat sports. In boxing, it's the easiest. We clinch, referee breaks us apart. I've saved myself a whole bunch of energy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm excited. See, there's, it's gonna be a good summer and fall, Joe. <laughs> it's it gonna is. be a good summer and fall. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, between the Jones Cormier thing, the Mayweather McGregor thing, Triple G Canelo, SummerSlam on the WWE side of things, man. Uh, Carlos says, yeah, I can attest to that, Joe. I've had someone tell me Muhammad Ali would lose to Floyd Mayweather due to Floyd having a perfect record. It is so dumb. Uh, yeah, come man. Come on, people. Who would say yeah, that man. to Carlos? Uh, oh, Carlos my gosh. I've, I've had people. Eyes. I mean, I had somebody trying to tell me that Gilbert Melendez belonged in the rankings over James Vick recently, too. Gilbert Melendez, who had one one win in like forever years. Let's talk about that too. Looks like Cain Velasquez may be getting the next title shot. By the time he steps in the cage, Joe, one win in four years. Your boy ain't keen on that. No, no, and I don't, I don't blame you. But that's like I going mean, out and naming he... Johnny Manziel your starting quarterback. <laughs> Haven't you learned by now? Yeah, the whole thing with that, though. I mean. The, the one beauty, ladies and gentlemen, that are watching this podcast and listening on uh, on iTunes. By the way, give us some love. Like our chats here. Like our like our podcast, especially on iTunes or on Stitcher. Um, we appreciate it so much. Make sure you give us some likes and, and spread the word. The, the, the one thing I love about having this podcast with Sean is we both play devil's advocate with each other um, in a professional manner where you have to think about what one, what one gentleman is saying versus what can I say in return. So when I look at Cain Velasquez... I think to myself, man, that division just – it's starting to get depth with Francis Ngannou. We lost Derek Lewis kind of thing. He's coming back. It's a division that – you know, the, the two gentlemen that competed um, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Glasgow, uh, Justin Willis and James Mulherin, I was like, oh, my god. These are tough men fighters. They're, they're mixed martial artists. They're getting there. But, oh, these are not the bodies that you want to see. I get dad bods. I get that. But it's just kind of like, oh, my God. It's a division that simply doesn't have depth. And the depth that is there are names that we've seen recycled over and over and over again. Cain Velasquez, I guess we can say number one, sir. Because if he gets a title shot based on one win after being away for so long or being competing in an intermittent on this really crazy intermittent schedule, that's a division that's just... Sean, come on. Now was the time to pull the trigger on Nganu. 
And you can say, like, oh, who'd he beat? Who'd he beat? It's heavyweight. He's won. He's 5-0 and in the UFC. Just just do it. What's Where's the harm? Now, I know that they're like, well, Velasquez will sell more pay-per-views. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe he'll sell zero pay-per-views because he won't show up to the fight. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the situation we're in. Now, unfortunately, our boy Elias dropped a fight recently. We're going to hear from him, hear what he had to say about it uh, up next, because you talked to him. Uh, when was it, today or yesterday? It was early this morning, right before he went to training. Check out our boy Elias Theodoro splaining himself here on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. All right, Elias, we haven't talked to you since, uh, I guess, before your last bout with Brad Tavares. Obviously, a controversial ending uh, to that one there. Some people gave it to you. Some people gave it to Brad. It was one of those fights that was sort of in between. Uh, have you had a chance to review that fight, watch that fight, uh, and how did you score it? Yeah, no, I, I, I obviously, it's one of those close ones. Um, the judges, most importantly, gave it to Brad, which is unfortunately. Um, I think that has more to do with the fact that he's a hometown guy. Um, you know... It's one of those things we talked, uh, you know, not too long ago, you and I won't, we'll get into that at the, the McGregor presser, but um, I think you said it best um, in regards to my development as a fighter. I think it was a great fight. I had fun being in there. I fought a, a tough opponent who's been in there with the best of the best, who only really lost to the people that were fighting the next day um, for the title. So, you know, uh, I've watched it and I've seen that, at no point did he figure me out. There was just little mistakes that I made that he was able to counter. And, you know, the last 30 seconds, someone throwing you in a, you know, um, rear naked choke or attempted rear naked choke. And you think it's more prudent to look at the screen and give a thumbs up to say that you're fine. Sometimes uh, it kind of backfires. But, you no, know, at the same time, high spirits. I'm still in the gym. Uh, I'm back at it. and looking to have a either September – uh, fight in um, Edmonton, which is on the 9th, or the 23rd, which is in Japan. We'll talk about that in a second. The one thing I noticed that when we connected at the Mayweather uh, McGregor here in Toronto, um, I told you flat out, I didn't want to text you after the fight. I don't like bothering you. Uh, even when you win, I don't want to bother you. I want you to enjoy the win. Uh, but if you, you know, come out of a defeat, I want to leave you alone because I don't know where your head's at. You are so positive. Yeah, no, obviously the, the, the only negative being uh, half your paycheck. Um, but uh, with that being said, honestly, like, I think this is a bigger discussion about when uh, a fighter is uh, successful enough, stable enough that, may, like, I make more money outside of being a fighter than I do being a fighter. So um, this in many ways keeps me relevant and allows me to be, you know, doing what I love, fighting. Um, but at the same time, with outside projects, outside um, work, outside gigs, uh, again, I make more money not being a fighter than I do being a fighter. Obviously, it all comes from me being a fighter and staying relevant in that sphere. But at the same time, I get to go out there and perform. It didn't go my way. I got half my paycheck, but I got more than half my paycheck, again, being a hair model. <laughs> and the guy that we were looking at the stage or the two guys we were uh, sort of admiring on the stage and Mayweather and McGregor, uh, those two guys are going to make a lot of money. Uh, you and I were just, I guess, in awe of, of Conor McGregor. The guy's legit insane. He he owned that crowd. He owned that microphone. He owned the whole arena. I mean, it was it was incredible to see what he was doing. 
what did you get out of that presser? Because I, I, it's, there's no point in me telling people what I noticed with you and what you noticed with me and um, and the misses that was with you. It, 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 it was a spectacle to say the least, but it was unbelievable in my opinion. Yeah, madness. Whether he's insane crazy or is like, or is he crazy or insane crazy, whatever. Um, I don't know how he's able to turn it off. But the more important thing is, I was bumping into like Italian and Greek friends wearing Irish flags. That's madness. That never happens. Like. Rarely does that happen when, you know, a World Cup happens. No, you pick your team and then you pick the guy that beat your guy to beat your guy. Like, it it was just madness. He had 16,000 strong uh, just chanting his name. He got got the crowd to say, fuck the Mayweathers. um, In just the loudest drowning out anything else that wasn't McGregor. And it's plain and simple. It shows that. Mayweather fans are Fairweather fans. They're only in it for the excess, the, um, you know, the name recognition, the big fights, where McGregor fans fall on tooth and nail. Though They're every troll that yells at you. They're every yell that, you know, every crowd that um, is roaring. Um, it, it just shows that the, the, as much as McGregor may be the B-side in the sense of who's been there longer. That's what I would give him. Um, and, and Mayweather is someone that put his dues and is the A-side. Clearly, mixed martial arts is on the A-side. Um, I think uh, overall, especially what I saw in uh, Toronto, um, mixed martial arts is where the, the energy is at. And again, this is an opportunity for our fans to kind of validate ourselves in some regards. But at the same time, it's still a win for someone like McGregor who's going to walk away with $100 million. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. You talk about energy. Yes, that's insanity. You talk about energy. Uh, There's an Edmonton show coming up uh, here in Canada that you'd like to be a part of. Uh, You mentioned it earlier on. Um, It's it's pretty close. It's it's September, uh, so it's not really a full training camp. I think you want to be on there. Um, Yay or nay in terms of who would you like to fight? Because uh, you gave me some names, I said I wouldn't say anything. But uh, is there anyone that specifically that you're able to mention now, or not yet? Well, no one, no one in regards to actually who I'm fighting. But uh, no, there, there's people that I think that are still up there. There, you have uh, Nate Marquardt, who he and I both share a loss to Brad Tavares. Mine is more a loss-ish, but he definitely lost. And um, what's called this Dan Kelly, who and I just switched in regards to uh, the top fifteen moment. Well, why don't we fight and see who's really belonging of the top 15? And then um, what's it called? Someone that would be an honor would be someone like Johnny Hendricks. He, he's just coming off a loss, but he's a huge name, and he's still um, a badass in his own right. So those are three names that I would love to uh, step in the cage with. Joe, may, maybe it's just me, but it seems like since Elias's first loss, there's a change in demeanor in the cage. Like I know that on The Ultimate Fighter, he – he didn't have any finishes, but from his pro fights, like, I know he finished his, his fight before he got into the house. He got, uh, well, technically the guy, guy put on the stool. Uh, he finished his first fight 
in the UFC. He finished Navarez. He went to a decision against Santos, but he he had this string of finishes, and it seems like since the Santos fight, we've seen a change in demeanor from him. Do you see that, and why do you think that is? Well, as as you move up. Um... In the UFC, in the rankings, your fighters get tougher uh, because you're getting tougher. So you're getting matched up with people that are, you know, have way more heart, uh, are technically better skilled, uh, or maybe skilled as you. So you're kind of meeting someone there. It, it, it gets, it's the minutia of the mistakes, the smallest of, my, of 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 intangibles that will make a difference between a finish when you can finish someone on the grassroots scene versus, you know someone that's at a, at a much higher level. Uh, the one thing I, I, I took from the, our own personal conversations with Elias and I is that live and learn, man. Live and learn. I think uh, I still think he was married to the uh, to the takedown, but you can make an argument. You said he won that third round. Uh, he believes he won that third round. I can make an argument that he won and or he lost that round. Um, you know, he made, a, he made the comment about being in a rear naked choke and kind of giving the thumbs up as opposed to fighting it. You know, these little things that he looks at and says, I made a mistake there. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do that. And it's going to make him a better fighter where the finishes can then present themselves. Uh, for Elias, it's not that a submission game can't finish people because it can. Believe me, he's got a really good submission game. I think his game is TKO's. You know, whether it's the stand-up uh, or it's on the ground. And, you know, he, he, he is a finisher. I believe he's a finisher, always have been, because um, he packs a lot of power. Uh, wasn't it Santos's arm that he broke? Or someone's arm where he kind of broke the, uh, you know, with the, with, with, the, with the kick early in the fight. Uh, and then when something breaks like that, it's up to a fighter to determine how much heart and resolve you have. Will you continue or are you looking for a way out? So, you know, look, look at the guys that he's just called out. Dan Kelly, Johnny Hendricks. I mean, I don't know who would want to see those fights. Yeah. Like, and even the Rashad fight that he was asking for. Like, I don't want to see a Rashad fight at any point. Like, I don't want to see any Rashad fights. Like, I learned to not spend money on him long ago. I don't want Elias to fall into that same category but not have the fame behind him that a, that a Rashad does because of his title run and his... his his former highlight reel knockouts. It's, I maybe he'll turn it around. I hope so. Yep, I'm confident he'll be fine. He'll be fine. People can start talking about the TriStar curse if they like. Uh, that Faraz teaches and trains his guys to fight for a decision. When I know for a fact that's not the truth. Uh, it's just the opportunity needs to present itself. Uh, could Elias have been more aggressive looking back? Yeah, sure he can could have been more aggressive in that fight versus Brad Tavares. I think he was going to win that fight. Uh, but it's, it's just a small mistake. It's not like Brad Tavares is some joke. You know, he's a tough dude. This guy has been around the block. So is what it is. Live and learn. Take it from there. UFC Glasgow. There were some, some interesting moments on this show, for sure. Uh, controversial, I think, main event. A star, perhaps, uh, to some degree. And Cynthia Calvillo, which continues to impress me. Paul Felder's a psycho, and, <laughs> and that KO throw that we saw, whoa. Ooh. And then Leslie Smith, fun to watch. Uh, Khalil Roundtree knockout. Let's start with you. Where do you want to start with this, Joe? Well, I, I was going to talk about the main event, but yeah, the, the, the knockout, the throw knockout, like, the hell was that? Like, Galore Bolando, or Bufondo picks and, a dude up and just, boom, throws him to the ground. See ya. Knocked out, you're just kind of like, what just happened there? And how about this one? On Twitter, 
He is volunteering to fight King of the Slam, Gerald Harris, who's trying to find his way back in the UFC. That's that's a fun matchup right there, and uh, smart yeah. on his part would be smart on G- and Gerald wants to fight. That is a move in which I said on Twitter, like, if that happened in a WWE ring and somebody pinned another guy after that, you would have fans go, that's not a believable finishing move. That doesn't, <laughs> what? You can't finish somebody with that move. Oh, yeah, you can. And that was damn impressive. That was remarkable. I, I didn't get to watch the show live. I was at a parade, and I saw uh, poor Charlie Ward's three-and-two face get paraded into the mat. Yeah, I mean, he was sitting three there three waiting. now. Yeah, he was waiting for that fight to, to actually pick up and uh, and do more than what Galore was doing. And <laughs> Sorry, face first, son. You're in there. Uh, you're talking about controversy in the main event. Um, I don't know if I agree, but go ahead. Ponzinibbio poked him in the eye like 74 times. Like, who was his main sparring partner for this one? Larry Moe or Curley? <laughs> I, I didn't um, see it. And then 777, one of our moderators, sent me the thing slowed down. It's legit like three pokes to the eye. Repeated. Not only that, as Gunnar Nelson tries to get away, he grabs the shorts and practically gives Nelson a wedgie. A wedgie. Yeah. Like, he yanks him back, and I'm just sitting there like, hey, man, like, do, do I think that determined the winner and loser? Uh, I, I don't know if Nelson would have beaten him. Nelson seems to think that he tagged him at some point, so there's that. But after I watch that back, I'm like, no, I, I don't count that for anything. I don't I Then I have that. to go back because I didn't see any eye pokes. I didn't watch. I, I watched oh the gosh. final flurry a few times. So this obviously happened beforehand. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass along the link. I don't know if you're able to pull it up. Okay. While I uh, while I'm on here, but man, it's it's unbelievable. I'm I'm gonna send it to you via Twitter, Joe, and I want you to uh, watch this with us. Which I can't pull it up because we'll get shut down. <laughs> but it's 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 kind of unbelievable because you know I heard Gunnar Nelson say at the post fight presser I got poked and I was like yeah sure you did buddy. But yeah, he got he got poked quite a bit. It's a uh, fifty second video, and there there are a bunch of still images too. You can see Nelson wiping it away, or trying to wipe it away, and he came forward. And it's on the ref. The ref has to to keep an eye on this. Uh, now, I know it's hard to keep an eye on anything when you're fighting Santiago Ponzinibbio in this fight because you might get it poked out, but. I like, see it. I see it. And then there are like there are several of them. There's two or three of them. And he fought with his fingers out repeatedly. It's it's remarkable how this didn't get caught. There's one. Yep. Gotcha. Stone Osborne says that I no sold his skull crushing finale tweet about that finish on the prelim. No, I didn't. It was a good joke. I liked it. But yeah, uh, the pokes were there, Joe. They happened. You know what? There is no controversy. Those are eye pokes. I'm watching them right now. Repeated. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much Rick for sending that to me. Gunnar Nelson. And greatest the ref, finishing and he... move in professional wrestling. It was. I guess it was not a finishing move, but no, greatest no, no, ever. It was in that case, right? 
Yeah, you know what? I stand corrected because I thought I didn't see them, but I was only paying attention to the final flurry. But now that it's slowed either. down, I boom, didn't either until it's right she there. sent me that video. She sent me yeah. that video, 777 did, and I watched it, and I was like, man. Because they're, they're not like – because they're not like this with your fingers straight out. But they're yeah. there, and they happen. Now, if you hit a – if it happens with a fist, that's one thing. But if your thumb catches, that's a poke too. That's a poke yeah. too. I don't put any stock into this fight. Um at all after seeing that like none and that's unfortunate well he did call out um neil magny and carlos condit yeah. did ponzanabio or ponzanibio good he should if he can get that carlos condit fight that's real good for him because carlos condit doesn't really want to fight anybody it seems yeah i don't understand that anymore i think he's had enough i think he's just simply had enough uh he's been through some wars he's been around a long time someone that hasn't is brand new to the sport cynthia calvillo who yeah. dana white in buffalo uh put his arm around her tapped her on the shoulder and said you know this is this is the next one here i was there for that and i was you and i talked about it uh, when i got back from buffalo i kind of questioned it and thought not yet no no but every time she fights it seems we're getting closer and closer to that next the next label uh, I mean, there's there's Joanna or Johanna Chechek. She wasn't a, a pro eleven months ago, Joe. Yeah, that's yeah. she was not a professional fighter eleven months ago, and she beat Joanne Calderwood, who is probably going to be a top five, top ten, one hundred and twenty five pounder. Yeah, and You're bang on. Uh, tapped out Pearl Gonzalez and Amanda uh, Amanda Cooper. Now, usually I'd be like, man, this is the UFC getting behind another 30-something strawweight. <laughs> like, it didn't work out too hot for Michelle Watterson. Then it hit me. I'm like, that's the next fight. Yeah, Michelle yeah. Watterson yeah. and Cynthia Cavillo. Because if Cavillo beats Michelle Watterson, that, that's something for her. Because at this point, it, I don't think Michelle Watterson is what the UFC thought or wanted her to be. I, I just I just don't think so. And... Meanwhile, Calvillo has... I mean, she beat Aspen Ladd a few years ago. Aspen Ladd's fighting at 135 now. I, I am continually impressed with, with Calvillo. Now, Calderwood, I, I feel for her. And a lot of people are like, well, she missed weight, there's no excuse. And I'm like, well, there's a little bit of an excuse. Like, her telling the UFC, hey, I'm having trouble making this weight. I'm having some real trouble making this weight. Can I fight at 125? Can I fight at 125 in the meantime and then being like, nah, fight at 115. Hey, we're going to take 20% of your purse whenever you miss that weight. BT dubs, two days after you agree to this fight, we're going to announce a 125-pound season <laughs> of the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> I feel bad for the girl. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like she's a bad human being. She's an absolute sweetheart. I can attest to that. I've met her and interviewed her before. Uh, it's definitely tough. A lot of these girls that are competing before this announcement of the Ultimate Fighter are thinking, oh, man, they can could, they could also spin it in a positive way. It's like, you know what? This is the last time I'm making 115. I want to fight at 125, and that is it. Flyweight for me. This, this is the last time, right? So, yeah, I feel bad for Joanne. Unfortunately, she gets a loss on her record. Uh, technically, it was a fly, it was a flyweight fight because it was a catchweight of 118 pounds. Yeah. Um, but it's not the flyweight fight that she wanted. She wants to fight at 125. Um, yeah, it remains to be seen. Uh, and it, it could get interesting for for people for for fighters like Cynthia Calvillo because Joanna Jacek is going to be someone that's going to want to compete in both those divisions, but she's only going to be allowed to compete in one. There's no way the UFC will let her compete in both divisions. You pick uh, one, 
Unless she unless she fights four times a year, I don't yeah. see them letting her do that. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can, if your body can maintain competing four times a year, which means you are in training camp all year, the body can't handle it. I'm sorry, there's no way the body can handle it unless you're taking performance enhancing drugs. Your body, the human body, cannot withstand that kind of training, that kind of trauma, that kind of uh, you know abuse, and your mind can't. I don't think for that long. So it's it's it could be good for Cynthia if if Johanna Jacek moves up. It could be bad if she doesn't because she's going to have to fight her one day. So a, a lot is going to be said about that. Uh, kudos to Paul Felder who started training. Sorry, do you want to make a point there? Uh, yeah, to your point, Joe, like for a long time we saw Donald Cerrone fighting four times a year and he's at that point. Like he like he fought in December after four times, four or five times in a year and then he got beat by Masvidal and he's had to slow down. He's It's July. There was a point. Remember back when when you know, Cowboy's been doing this for so long, and then he fought Nate Diaz and got whooped. Yeah, he lost to Nate Diaz, and you know, and Greg Jackson was up here uh, doing a seminar about forty-five minutes from my house with Faraz Zahabi, um, and we talked about it, and we just he said he's he's simply fighting too much. You, Cowboy's his worst enemy. He can't. He won't get out of his own way. He just wants to fight because he's getting paid good money. But he wants to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. You can do that, but your body, your body needs to rest. Faraz calls it the electrical system. The body has to rest. Anytime a fighter of his, male or female, competes, they're not allowed to come back to TriStar after their fight for a week. It's a good you idea. better not. Sh- you better not show up anywhere else for a week. You better not go to any other gyms. Nothing. You don't do- get fat. Get on your couch and get fat. You want to stay active, go for a walk. But there's no sparring. There's no mitts on. There's no cardio. There's no weights. Get fat. Let the body just completely recharge itself. You're a professional athlete, but you need some downtime. Go take a vacation. Kota used to do that. Go take a vacation and do nothing. Do nothing. But eat at buffets, get fat, and tan. Don't train. (laughs) Cowboy unfortunately, doesn't feel that way. Cowboy, I don't know if you know, Cowboy's nuts, okay? Not, not You know that. You know that already. Yes. But this is a guy who was at the lake at 6 a.m. almost every day. He gets up at 6 a.m., whether he feeds the animals, horses, yada, 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 yada. What he does after that, he's on the lake, he's, he's uh, wakeboarding, he's doing this, he's doing that. The guy doesn't stop. Then he trains, then he fights. He doesn't have the ability to slow down and chill out. I've never seen it. Uh, he does funny things, but he's constantly in motion. You know, uh, and I actually met his dad a while ago at the MGM, and he's, he's been like that since he was a kid. Doesn't stop. You know, he goes to bed around 8 or 9 in the evening. You know, you'd almost think he's a senior citizen. No, that's because he wants to be the first person on the lake pretty much or get the bar, whatever's taken care of on the, on the ranch, get that taken care of, then get out there and have some crazy-ass fun on the lake. Then he gets to training. He doesn't know how to stop. If he was to stop, different story. Body can rejuvenate itself, Sean. And you can continue. I mean, that Masvidal fight, take nothing away from Maury Masvidal. That was a fantastic fight. But, and, and you know, how many times... Hey, when you're getting paid 10 and 10, 20 and 20, you got to fight that much, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Paul Felder, Khalil Roundtree, continued to just wrecked the emotions of the local fans by destroying their their local dudes. Uh the Felder performance is very good. He's he's doing he's fighting 
often and aggressively, and people are starting to notice him, and he's at 33 years old, so I think he knows that he needs to do that. But but he's also very smart in that he picked up a couple of, of performance bonuses in 2015. He, he got a little more inconsistent after that, but then this year he's picked up two bonuses, had two big wins, and he's commentating for the UFC on Dana White's Contender Series. And he revealed after, he's like, I, dude, I went to school for acting. I went to school to speak in front of people. So he's like, I'm more than happy to be involved in this. He's making smart career moves because he knows, I'm sure he knows at age 33 that pretty soon that's going to catch up to him, especially the way he fights. That fight went down pretty much the way we said it would. Uh, Stevie Ray got aggressive and Paul Felder made him pay. Yeah, it was it was something to behold. I thought it was going to be a little longer than that. I thought Stevie was going to play outside more. Um, or at least get in more. He chose not to, and and Felder just with those elbows in the clinch. Um, I didn't think Stevie was going to clinch with him. I really didn't, and I was way off of that because I thought, you know what, Felder, you, you don't want to be near Felder <laughs> in the clinch, and you know Paul proved it. You know, but I, I want to give him a lot of credit. Uh, obviously, at the start of the training camp, having lost his father, to go through that. Um, some people are so mentally strong, Sean, that they can deal with the loss of somebody that close to them and then continue fighting and then and then actually compete without having an emotional breakdown, right? So kudos to Paul uh, for doing that. And I just think he's an insane mercenary. I mean, the guy is crazy. And, you know, yeah. fantastic job. You know, got just under four minutes of work in. And like I said, he's doing the Contender Series. So kudos to him for sure. Outside of him, Neil Siri retired. Uh, he lost his last fight. Only fought once in America, which was an interesting fact that I that I noticed. But he finally got his retirement fight well after when he wanted it. And another major question I have coming out of this is why are, why wasn't Leslie Smith on the Ultimate Fighter twenty six? Why not her? Because that's probably the division she's going to fight in. Uh, I am happy to see her do well. I am happy to see her aggressive. She has won quietly three of her last four fights. She loves stopping every hype train that she possibly can, <laughs> whether it's early on Raquel Pennington or Jennifer Maya, who is the odds-on favorite to win that tournament if she's in it, uh, a Jessamine Duke, a Rin Nakai, an Irene Aldana, and, an- and another one in Glasgow. So good for her. That was a big win. Uh and a hell of a way to start off that show. She's she's an interesting dynamic when it comes to fighting because I'll, I'll watch her fight and think to myself, I don't know which one's going to show up. I don't know what she's going to do. I don't know if she's going to emerge victorious. I don't know how long it's going to last. But you just simply enjoy it. Anytime Leslie fights, you simply enjoy it. And, and she's a shit talker. She doesn't give a crap about what anyone's opinion is. She just does what she needs to do and says what she has to say despite, you know, I think it's her and Nate that are in a bit of trouble with their former management. Yes, it is. So fingers crossed that they can deal with that and get that all taken care of. Uh, and we'll see uh, more of that. Guys, don't forget live chat, top right of your screen. Uh, Roy Story is taking shots at me, calling me AKA Ribfest or Mr. Ribfest, which was fantastic, by the way. Uh, there were about nine different types of ribs. At that rib fest, so it was fantastic. Uh, I put on some weight, and I didn't step on the scale till this morning, Sean. And I'm happy to say I actually lost. <laughs> so I worked out hard. That yeah. happened to me when I worked at a grocery store one time. I worked there for two weeks, and I was like, oh, I'm going to gain so much weight. I was so disgusted by everything in that grocery store after working there that I dropped like five pounds during that period. Um, 
What kind of food do I need to be checking out in Toronto? I've already been warned about the trash exchange rate I'm going to get up there. So Jimmy Van is sending me up there. He's going to make me go broke based on um, exchange rate alone. There's tons of – I mean, have you ever been to a <clears throat> Kyler James saying ribs are overrated? Can you ban him for 90 seconds? I'm How dare going you? to remove his mod access for How? the rest of this chat due to that. That is blasphemous. That's almost getting racist with me. I kid. I joke. Um, in terms of food, okay, I'll, I'll ask you this. I'm sure you've been to many big cities uh, over your young life. No. No, not really at all. You haven't really? What's Nashville, the biggest city you've ever been to? Let's see. Nashville, okay. Gulf Shores, Columbus, Cincinnati. Basically, the, the, southwest, the southeast. All right. So when it comes to Toronto, Toronto is... Um, one of the melting pots of the world, uh, of every possible race you can imagine, and the food that they bring. Um, you can have anything and everything you've ever dreamed of in Toronto, especially where you're going to be staying uh, in the downtown core. You want the best Italian, you want the best Greek, you want the best Jamaican food, you want the best Indian food, you want the best Japanese sushi, it's here. Uh, it is – I mean it's a world-class city for a reason and we have some of the best chefs, cooks, uh, preparers that you could ever imagine. So when it comes to food, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend going to a fast food restaurant, um, <laughs> although I'm stupid. When I go down to the States, uh, it's generally what I do. We don't have In-N-Out Burger here. So I, when I get a chance, I try and get an In-N-Out Burger or in the case of Lex McMahon from um, Titan FC, keeps taking me uh, to uh, – what's it? Shake Shack. He yeah. keeps taking me to Shake Shack, which is just the complete opposite – of what my diet and what my nutrition concerns look like, but I'm in Miami or I'm in uh, South Florida. My my diet's I, going out the window next week. Yeah, yeah. Whatever uh, whatever portion control you may have, it ain't gonna happen here. You're gonna be eating a lot. So, but you, make sure you enjoy it, guaranteed. UFC Long Island this weekend. Your boy will be here for a post show podcast by himself, Joe. By himself, but we we got some we got some under the radar fights. There are some good fights on this show. Chris Weidman versus Gaslam is good. Bermudez and Elkins is good. Cummins versus Volante is going to be interesting. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Rivera Almeida, uh, Natal's on the show. Lafleur and Oliveira could be good or bad. Lafleur and Oliveira is going to look a lot like Cummins or Volante. It's going to be a tale of two fights between those two guys. (laughs) Uh, a heavyweight fight, Timothy. Th- those are always possibly good. There are some decent fights on this show. We'll, we'll start with G- Weidman Gastelum. I look for Weidman's reaction time to be much improved, which he needs to do against a smaller guy in Gastelum. If he loses, I could see Weidman maybe saying to hell with it, 205. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Interesting seed being planted there, my friend. Um, all the pressure on this fight is on Chris Weidman. All of it. I mean, if it's 99.9%, it is Chris Weidman. I don't think there's any pressure on Kelvin Gaslam in this fight at all. Like, zero. I mean, you're fighting the former world champion, the world champion who got his face kneed, uh, punched by, by or destroyed by... by um, Gergard Mousasi, who's no longer in the UFC, so he cannot get that rematch anytime soon. All the pressure is on Chris Weidman. If he ever wants to get that middleweight title back, he cannot afford to lose almost any fight until he gets a title shot. He loses to Kelvin Gaslam, you just kiss that title shot 
goodbye for a very long time unless some crazy uh, pieces get moved on that UFC matchmaking chess pe- or chessboard. Uh, I never thought of 205, Sean Rossap. I did not think Chris Weidman at 205. But now I'm thinking about it. That's an option because that division right there could use some depth. And Chris Weidman wouldn't have to cut to 185. Um, interesting. I like it. Yeah. And he's going to have a distinct strength advantage over over Gasolum. And unfortunately for for uh, Weidman, he's going into this fight. And it's weird to think the last fight that Chris Weidman won was against Vitor Belfort. That's crazy to think. And the last yep. fight that Gasolum won was against Vitor, Vitor Belfort. And yeah. it's it's a tale of two different two different fights, obviously. But Gasolum has looked good of late. He's done he's done exceptionally well. So I he's got all the momentum, and it's it's a chance for him to make a bigger name for himself. It's he can still continue this continue this Legends tour because I think Weidman more than qualifies considering his history and the guys that he's beaten. He once went on a Legends tour of his own with Silva, Machida, Vitor. So I'm pumped yep. for that main event. That's a that's a hell of a main event. I, Gel- inter- if, if Kelvin wins, think about that for a second. Um, it's more blood added to that top of the echelon of that division because Gegard is gone. Perfect opportunity for for Kelvin to be like. Hey guys, I'm here. Yep, let's get this title shot going. What are we doing? Right? I oh, not, not only that, but Vitor is smooth the hell out of the way. Like you can't even, he can't even say, "Oh, give me a title shot." Blah blah blah. No, ain't happening. Anderson Silva nowhere near it. Jacare coming off of a loss. Luke Rockhold doesn't fight. Yoel Romero coming off of a loss. There you go, man. It's wide open. They ain't given Derek Brunson a title shot. Not after the way he fought Whitaker last year. Not happened. David Branch, dream on, based on the way that he fought his first fight. And he yeah. beat Jotko, another guy, in that top ten. So, oh, yeah. Oh, Roy yeah. Soria, sorry, Roy Soria asking me about Chinese food in Vancouver. Is it bomb? Oh, yeah, brother. If you ever get to Vancouver, you need to get that Chinese food or sushi uh, on the West Coast. And Electric Funk is asking me, I'll ask you the same thing, Sean. Dry rub or messy saucy rib? I am in the dry rub stage right now, having gone through years of messy sauce rib. I don't want it anymore. I like dry rub, providing there's not a lot of high salt content in the rub. I made I made maple bacon ribs uh, for my portion of the rib fest. Uh, this time, last rib fest, I made jerk. Uh, if you ever had jerk chicken, I made jerk spice ribs. So I'm, I'm in a dry rub stage. Messy. Messy. Uh, also on this show, <laughs> also on this show, Dennis Bermudez versus Darren Elkins. Benavidez has said that he's getting back to the basics, and I think that's a really good idea because after 25 fights and at 30 years old, he is more or less a finished product. So why not sharpen what is there? Elkins, on the other hand, thought about retiring because the game was passing him by a few years ago, and he changed his life. He went and trained with Justin Buckholes, and as it turns out, he wasn't a finished product. This is going to be either a... This is and here you're gonna hear us say this a lot. It'll be a war or it'll be a grind, a grinding fight. If you're Dennis Bermudez and you study tape on Darren Elkins, especially his last fight, what are you thinking? 
<laughs> I'm not going to be able to finish this guy. This guy will How not go away. How can you finish away. a guy with a tattoo like that? Well, yeah. But the, the, the fight that Darren was in the last time was just something else. I mean, I could watch it over and over again. It is the epitome of having heart and resolve and just not going away. Uh, and Dennis Bermudez, um, you know, he, he's he's getting up there, sort not an age per se, uh, but an MMA mileage. He's only 30 years old, but a, with 22 fights and, uh, you know. 25 if he counts exhibitions. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, all that NCAA wrestling that he did over his life. That body's taken a lot. So, um, you know, Darren Elkins isn't young by any stretch of the imagination. He's 33 years old, uh, and he's had 27 fights. So, you know, it, it's going to be a good scrap, in my opinion. I think you're right. It's going to be a. I don't know if we're going to see a finish here. I think if we're going to see a finish, I might go with Darren Elkins pulling off a finish here because after what we saw in that last fight, he ain't getting finished anytime soon. I mean, it's it's you get, it's just something you believe now because you know he's been finished, but. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's been knocked out. He's been submitted. Yeah, but no, I, I worry about the reach advantage for for Elkins. I mean, Bermudez is maybe five six, probably closer to five five. Elkins is five ten, five eleven, and we're looking at a five to six inch reach advantage just just based on their arms. So yeah, I don't. I it'd be I'd be surprised if if Bermudez can close that distance. Uh, Volante versus Patrick Cummins, the battle of guys who win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Cummins isn't—he's 36 years old. I gotta give him some respect for going and training with Antonio Tarver because yeah. he knew he had to. He knew he had to. I've said this before. Every fight of his that we've covered, if you watch anybody who did their tape research on Patrick Cummins before that Cormier fight, saw. Cummins' first fight, and they saw him get tapped in the face by that really out-of-shape guy he was fighting, and you knew the score. You knew what was up. You knew that he didn't react to punch as well. He's training with Antonio Tarver and at least getting some counter-punching about him, hopefully. This, much like uh, another fight that we will see on this show, is either going to end in a TKO or an early TKO or a decision. That's just the way it's going to go. I remember when this fight was first announced, and as we got closer to this fight, you know what went through my mind? Cummins what? and Volante are fighting again? I thought they fought before. They never have. No. For some reason, it I just, just seems thought, like they would have. They would have fought in the past. So we are getting to see a matchup here with two guys that have never competed. I think it's, you know, John Volante seems to be that training partner, that Weidman Longo product, uh, or the, the, the Longo Sarah product, Sarah Longo product, excuse me. Uh, with all the hype around him and he's Chris Weidman's number one training partner and Chris is always saying his praises is just not really going to happen. And he mentioned that, you know, Chris could potentially go to light heavyweight. Not that these two guys would ever fight, but they'd be stepping on each other's toes when you think about it. In terms of this fight here, I am going to give the edge to John Volante. Although, you know, you just never know with both of these two guys, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. You just never know what's going to happen here. Yeah. And that's their place in the, in the 10 to 15 range. In that uh, light heavyweight division. That's just that's the way those fights go. Uh, Jimmy Rivera versus Thomas Almeida, a battle of a couple of bantamweight prospects. Interested in that one, too. If Jimmy Ooh. Rivera wins, go ahead and strap the rocket ship to him. You think? I mean, if, if he beat Munoz, Alcantara, Faber, and Almeida back to back to back to back. Yeah, and before true. that, Brimage, which, I mean, he it, how he beat Brimage was more... It, impressive than him beating Brimage. And we're talking about a guy who years ago 
Not not before he got to World Series of Fighting, or before he got to CFFC, but before he got to like Ring of Combat, he was beating like Abel Cullum, Willie Gates, uh, Papazia, like guys that were out there doing some stuff, like some some decent competition on the regional circuit too. Uh, he he lost to Bermudez on the Ultimate Fighter like back in the day, but since then he is he's fixed. I, I worry about him being maybe less aggressive, which, I mean, it was Uriah Faber, so, hey, that, that's fine, but, I mean, he has good fights, he has fun fights, and he beats really good guys. Back to your point about Dennis Bermudez and Darren Elkins and the reach advantage that Darren Elkins has and how you're, that's a concern for Dennis and that could be something good for Darren Elkins? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. All right, so going back to your point regarding Dennis Bermudez and Darren Elkins, and you said that Darren Elkins has a five-inch reach advantage over Dennis Bermudez and, that, and how that could help him in the fight. Mm-hmm. Darren Elkins is, is a underdog at plus 210 in yeah, this I fight. Yeah, I know he is. I, I'm, I'm jumping on that if, if I can. I mean, Bermudez is really good, but that, that reach advantage is going to be a tough yeah. one. If, if Elkins utilizes it. If he, if he can use it, yep. You, you damn know I'll be talking about that in my article later this week. Because that is just... I mean, we'll, we'll, if, it's, if by the time I get the article written for Fightful.com, ladies and gentlemen, or Fightful Online or FightfulMMA.com, um, I don't know if that's going to stay plus 210. I don't think it's going to stay plus 210. I think it's going to start dropping. Uh, although right now it's showing it's going the opposite way. He may be a bigger uh, underdog uh, shortly, but I think it's going to drop as we get closer uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. The Jimmy Rivera Almeida fight is going to be fantastic. I mean, I can't wait for that scrap to go down. Those two guys are just going to be throwing. I love Almeida. Almeida is one of my favorite guys to watch. He's just an absolute mess when he competes. But Jimmy Rivera, man, you're right. Dude's tough as nails. Um, Lyman Good uh, will be you know, headlining the preliminary card on Fox. I it's just is he one of those guys that just seems like I thought he retired. I thought he retired. I thought he was done. He's back and forth. He's in Bellator. He's here. It's just like, okay, but he's there. Former Bellator champion. He's had a really, really good stretch over the past several years since since leaving Bellator. So this is another under-the-radar fight because um, Dos Santos, who he's facing, has also had a really good stretch. So I'm down with that. Also, Natal fighting on these prelims. LaFleur versus Oliveira will be – it will mimic – Volante versus Cummins, minus 35 pounds, in my opinion. Because if LaFleur can get a decision out of this, he'll probably take it, per usual. But he Alex Ol- not go, he can't go toe-to-toe with him. Yeah, Alex Oliveira is going to be aggressive and push forward. You have Chase Sherman, who is one of the more colorful personalities in MMA, taking on uh, Grabowski. You have another heavyweight fight in Albini and Johnson underrated show here and then on the the UFC fight pass prelims you have a bunch of guys that most people haven't heard there's five fights on the preliminary fight pass card you know what I'm okay with that for this reason only it's a Fox show so it starts super early and there are only four main card fights and four prelim fights so I'm not I'm not upset about it I ain't mad at it yeah, I'll try and see if I can watch it. Uh, for those that don't know, Sean will be doing uh, a poll show afterwards on his own. Uh, maybe, someone, maybe someone from our staff can actually help him out because uh, it is challenging to do a show on your own. We'll see if someone can step up for yours <laughs> truly because I, you. be, <laughs> I will be um, – 
for those that don't know Canada very well, there's a lot of abundance of land in this country. If you've never looked at Canada on a map, we are a massive, massive country and two and a half hours north of where I live. And I live about 35, 40 minutes northeast of Toronto. I can get there pretty quickly, uh, obviously knowing the roads I need to take, but technically speaking, I'm about half an hour north of Toronto. Um, I'm actually traveling two and a half hours further northwest to cottage country. We call it Muskoka and the Kawartha's up here. I will be in what my wife calls the middle of the bush. No funny comments, ladies and gentlemen. I will be in the middle of nowhere with nothing but cottages, lots of trees and land until until the next cottage. It is going to be – it's an annual thing that we do. uh, And hopefully – I don't think they have Wi-Fi, Sean, but hopefully they do have Wi-Fi there. Uh, If so, I will do my best to endeavor to to watch the show. If not, when I get back, I will watch the show and be ready uh, for next week's Holy Smokes podcast. But it's going to be fun nonetheless. Uh, I do want to watch these fights. Let's be honest. It's going to be good times. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to come to Canada next week. Really stoked for that. Guys, visit Fightful.com. Uh, check out our forums. You can talk MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. We have a prediction thread for Battleground where uh, Potus Lady Love is giving away a Fightful t-shirt to the winner. Excited for that. Uh, other threads. Uh, Vince McMahon, bad writing, has brainwashed casual fans. The G1 Climax, which we have live coverage of all the time. How WWE will change once Triple H takes over. Go in, chime in on those. And join us for live coverage of every New Japan G1 Climax show. Live discussion of the UFC shows. This weekend, WWE Battleground. I got a post-show after that. And of course, our other flagship show, The List and Your Boy tomorrow. And next week, I'll be there live. I'll be there live. So you guys do the show live from, uh, from the office? From the office. I, that's why I'm flying in Wednesday morning. I'm flying in Wednesday morning, going to the office, meeting everybody, and uh, yeah. See, I wish I was. I was told like Lindsay loves bacon, and I wish I could like send her bacon or bring her <laughs> bacon, like cause she does so much hard work for the site, and I can't. I can't. Like, how can I travel? I can't bring. There's no travel bacon. Can't do it. It's unfortunate. Gotcha. Well, guys, gotcha. any anything else, Joe? Before we leave. Uh, yeah, obviously, I've got the article later on this week, the fun bets uh, for the show coming up on Saturday for the UFC. I'll have an article uh, drafted up tomorrow uh, about something else. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quiet for now. And then, of course, I got my video later this week on Thursday that we hope that you guys really enjoy, you like. Make sure you share it, you like it. Um, we'll see what happens as we lead up to that. If nothing crazy happens where I need to rant off, I will leave it up to you, ladies and gentlemen, that tune into this podcast and, and visit our site to give me some topics or, or, or questions that I could address and answer uh, relatively quickly. I like making those videos like a minute to two minutes long. Unfortunately, I blab a lot, so it goes about two and a half, three minutes, uh, which doesn't drive Jimmy Van nuts. It might drive Sean nuts. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and keep them succinct, and we'll get some questions answered. Uh, if nothing crazy happens, uh, like some of the stuff I'm reading on social media where uh, I got this one here. So Connor and SBGI are just monkeying around and releasing stuff of Connor looking bad on purpose. So yeah. Leonard Ellerby says, that's what Leonard Ellerby says. By the way, guys, I have an article up. No, Conor McGregor did not get knocked out by Brandon Rios in training. Brandon Rios has never met Conor McGregor, according <laughs> to him. Uh, the people I spoke to said no. Um, it, it happens all the time. It's the dumbest thing, but go read that article. But until next time, guys, we are out. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.